Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Where are you, Michelle? Who am I, where am I missing? All right. Special need we pray about today. God knows. I'm reading from Luke chapter 6. And just one short verse of scripture there today. God bless you. Luke chapter 6. Amen. And the Bible said Judas... brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. Read it out loud with me. Everybody ready? And Judas, the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. Now, this is, this is two different men. Judas, the disciple, and Judas Iscariot, the betrayer. Okay? Two different men here. Judas, the disciple... And Judas, the betrayer. I'm going to preach today or talk about the heart of a traitor. The heart of a traitor. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy today. Thank you for your goodness, God. Thank you for your presence in this house, Lord, today. We do not take it for granted. We do not take it lightly. We thank you, God, that you are here to minister, to salvage, to encourage, to save inspire and to grow our, our, our life. We love you. We praise you. Give you all the glory. Let this be done according to your will. We give you all the praise for it in Jesus' mighty name. Look at somebody and say, the heart of a traitor. You may be seated. God bless you. Appreciate our young men today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Pray didn't, I didn't miss anybody. I hope if we did. It's Joseph's fault. I ask him to corral everybody up here. Seriously. No, really. The heart of a traitor. I have told you multiple times before, and I ask you to bear in mind today that very often, Brother Paul, when the King James Version speaks of the heart of man, more often than not, well over 90% of the references in the King James to the heart of man are not talking about the blood pump. It's talking about the mind. It's talking about the center of your will, the volition where decisions are mulled over and thoughts are generated and cleaned up and deciphered and filtered. When the writers more often than not speak of the heart of man, he's talking about our mind. He's talking about our mind. Bear that in your thoughts today about the heart of a traitor. The prophet Jeremiah said in chapter 17, verse 9, that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? He is not talking about the blood pump. 
He's talking about that little chamber in your mind where things go and things come. Where work is constantly occurring. And you are balancing, you are checking, you are dealing with. He said, that is desperately wicked. And no one can even really comprehend, comprehend the skill sets that abide there. We don't, we don't know how it works. Did you know today, speaking of the heart now, that over 600,000 U.S. citizens die annually, every single year, from heart disease. I know there's many facets in that. It's a large statement to make there. But over 600,000 die every year from heart disease. That's one in every four deaths are attributed to heart disease. Every 35 seconds... A U.S. citizen dies due to heart disease. Every 35 seconds. More than any other single medical issue that science deals with. Proverbs, C-E-B now. I know everybody's on the C-E-V fad here. That's good, but I'm going common English Bible, not contemporary English version. Please. Proverbs 4.23. More than anything you guard, protect your mind. For life flows from it. More than anything, one night in, in uh, Time to Grow, I opened with an icebreaker. What are things that you guard in life? You lock the doors when you leave your home. You probably locked your cars when you get out of them here. And that's all just good practice. You lock this or that, you protect it. Maybe you have a, a safe or something like that. You lock things. You lock your guns away, I hope. Things that are of value, we get in the habit of locking them away, guarding them. And Solomon said, more than anything that you guard, guard your mind. Because we don't understand the depths of it, buddy. We know this. Out of your mind come the issues of life. There's more than just do I like chocolate or vanilla coming out of that little thing. There's issues deep and profound about life in the mind. Not the blood pump, the mind. But it's called the heart because it's the center of all things. I ask you this morning, knowing you understand the dual meaning, how's your heart today? Cluttered? Unfiltered? Full of junk? How's your mind today? Is it guarded? Protected? Locked up? Scripture said that Samson had had all he could take from Delilah's temptation, and he revealed to her all of his heart. His story should have been an amazing success story. 
a ship operator in the Atlantic Ocean, Brother Rick. When war broke out, the Revolutionary War between the, Amer the U.S. and the Brits, his acts of intelligence and bravery were the things of legend. Our own U.S. naval fleet has its roots, traces its very roots back to his forward thinking. A mastermind on the military battlefield. Swiftly climbed the U.S. military ranks to major general within five years. But something along the way changed the mind, the heart, the volition, the will to the point that his fellow officers and comrades began to stir up and sling mud, throw accusations, and they were not without just reason. Immediate promotions in the hand or in the plans of the brass were put on hold because of the accusations laid against him. We're not talking about just some flunky here in boot camp. We're talking about a master military mind. But the last pat on the back he would receive, the last promotion against many opponents bemoaning their desires, he would be given the keys to West Point Academy. Very few, Brother Rick, have ever, ever been exalted to this glorious position. Fifty miles north of New York City, it's still there today. The walls are made of granite. And he was given the keys as commander of West Point. Unfortunately, by this time, sidetracked his mind was by the bitterness created from accusations and mudslinging. Even though a few still patted him on the back and acknowledged his, his brilliance by another promotion, he was consumed by hatred for men that he used to fight beside. Now the ones that he abhorred came from the crew of men that he used to defend. It wasn't the British army that he detested now. It was men that used to have his own back. There is a short little story in the Bible. If you have time, read it. It's the book of Esther. And there's a man, a man of Hebrew heritage in there, Brother Paul, by the name of Mordecai. And Mordecai has the favor of God upon him, if any man does, in that day. Esther is promoted above all those homegrown girls into a position of authority and power. And the king has a right-hand man by the name of Haman. Haman has everything. Haman has money. He has power. He has clout. This is in your Bible. He has authority. All he has to do is look at the military mind, minds and might and powers that be and give them orders and they have to bow to his request. Haman has everything. But there's one 
man, one lowlife, one scum of the earth in his eyes. And every time he walks by, men stand up in attention. I hope all that's necessary. And Haman, Haman is so consumed, not by the, the, the gifts bestowed upon him by the king, but this one rebellious Jew. Everybody stands when he walks by, but not Mordecai. Mordecai has got one thing in mind. I serve the Lord, and that's all I serve, all right? I serve God. And Esther knows the precarious position she's in. She's between Mordecai, she's between Haman, rather, and the king. And Mordecai refuses to bow his knee to the powers of evil. And even though he can snap his fingers, Haman could, and have whatever he wants, all he can think about is Mordecai. Isn't that amazing? People have all they could ever want and more. And they're consumed by one little thing. Paul said it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. Just a little thing. The little, little pebble in your shoe. It's amazing how many mountains we make out of molehills in life. We've got so much to be thankful for and we're, we're consumed by one little thing that agitates us. I guess I'm preaching just me today. We, we've got more, Brother Richie, than we could ever take time to be thankful for to God. And yet we're so consumed by what aggravates my flesh. I'll be honest, I spend way too much time thinking about things that aggravate me than I do just saying, God, you've been so good to me. You've been so good to me. I got no reason to gripe or complain. I'm feeling it whether you are or not today. And the Bible said Haman is so caught up in this. He talks to his wife and he gets this idea. He said, I know what I can do. I'll trick the king. This is my words. You read the book of Esther. He said, I'll deceive him. And I'll have everything ready. I'll build a set of gallows so that we can hang his scrawny little neck. And I'll, I'll put his image out of my mind forever. Hey, brother, when people conspire against the people of God, you don't have to raise the sword to defend yourself. You don't have to raise a shield to defend yourself. God's got your back when you don't even know what's going on behind your back. I said God's got your back when everybody is turning against you. When nothing in this world makes any logic or sense, God knows what your future holds. And the Bible said that Haman conspired and had this gallows constructed. And when he got the king in the right mood, everything just right. He put this story out there. And what, what Haman didn't know is that God controls everything. 
God controls everything. And God turned this rumor in the other direction and turned that rumor in this direction. And he caused the king to hear the truth that Mordecai had defended the king's honor and the private. He didn't get up and say, look what I did, king. But in private quarters, he defended the king. And the king did not hear the rumors of Haman until after he heard the truth of Mordecai. And so when, when Haman says, I got him now, it all coming together. But the end of the story is this. Esther 7 verse 9. They, they told the king, they said, you see those gallows? Haman had those made so that you'd put Mordecai in them. And three of the most powerful words in, in the story are those last three right there. Hang him there on. My point being this today. Sometimes we're, we're over-consumed by things that we can't change anyway. You have a lot of good going on in your life. You know that, bro? You have a lot of good going on in your life. A lot of good things. Not everything's perfect, not everything's right, but you have a lot of good things to be thankful for. Don't be caught up with one, one negative person, one hater, one gossip, one rumor. Small people have small minds and they say small things. And the, and, and the more you serve God, the more Satan will see to you that someone has something small to say about you. Just stay focused, brother. This is what the writer said in Hebrews 12, 15. He said, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. So Haman's bitterness did not just end there. It affected his family. His kids were put on the same gallows. Bitterness is an ugly thing, bro. Can't put your finger on it. You can't say, oh, look at this. I, I, there it is. That, I finally got it out of me. That's bitterness. You can't. It's in the mind. It's in the heart. It becomes part of the fabric of how we think and process things. Some people filter every decision they make through bitterness. Oh, my. Yes, sir. And now, I'm not talking about Haman. I'm not talking about Judas. But I'm talking about this military mastermind. Now he is scheming the unimaginable. Now in his heart, he is negotiating with the devil. Now in the deep recesses of complete privacy, he's working up a strategy. You talk about apostate. He's, he's devising a plan, a guaranteed plan. And Benedict Arnold was his name, would become synonymous with being a traitor. Amen. Listen to what Webster says. I am quoting. I am not adding to. And then I'm going to read from Webster's synonyms for the word traitor. Webster says traitor is one who betrays another's trust or is false to an obligation or a duty. Betrays one another's trust or is false to an obligation or a duty. You believe there's any obligation on your life? Yes. 
know what that means? It's, it's a duty. It's something you're expected. Whether you get patted on the back or not, it's something God expects of you to do. Amen. It's part of your functioning, governing, decision-making process of life. Obligation. Synonyms for traitor, and I'm not adding to. Backstabber. Double crosser. Double dealer. Serpent. Snake. Judas. Mr. Webster ended the synonym paragraph with the name Judas. The synonym for traitor paragraph with the name Judas. Serpent, snake, Judas. Imagine this with me. If we just took a survey, just a random poll, and if anybody that passed history, American history in school, if we were to ask you, name two, give me two names of people that are infamous, notorious for being a traitor, a backstabber, a double dealer, a double crosser, a serpent. I feel safe to say that most of us would say Judas and Benedict Arnold. How would you like to be the person whose name is paired with Judas Iscariot, not Judas the disciple? Nothing. Nothing about your military accomplishments. But just somewhere you schemed you roll the dice to become a traitor. And history says that he sold himself to the British Army to fight against his own countrymen. But he didn't do it publicly. He did it secretly. Can't stand sneaky people. You hear me? I can't stand sneaky. You can hate me. Sneaky is something I just do not process well. And while holding U.S. weaponry in his hands and wearing paraphernalia that said, I'm proud to be a part of this nation, he was taking money on the side. He was revealing top secret plans, military plans in dark rooms. The first act on his itinerary, Brother Rick, was to surrender West Point. You might look at it and say, well, was it a God thing that he was promoted to that place and then he turns around intending to give it over to the British? The first thing he intended to do, Brother Mike Gordon, was to turn this military institution men like Thomas Jefferson pronounced their blessing upon our nation at the, at the walls of West Point. 
unthinkable, inconceivable, implausible. But God knew better. God caused his plan, in my opinion, his scheme to be uncovered. That's just what God does, isn't it? Just what God does. Legend has it that on his deathbed, Benedict Arnold prayed, God, forgive me for treason against the greatest nation on planet Earth. This is not legend, but this is fact. That he demanded, he requested, even demanded, if possible, to be buried in the attire of his homeland. You ever known a traitor? Ever known a backstabber? Now, we, we bandy those terms pretty easily. Just because someone has a bad day and disagrees with us, we call them all kind of things. But I'm talking about a genuine, sneaky, underhanded, double-crossing. That's a difficult person to forgive. Listen to what David said, Psalm 41.9. I may even ask you to mix the translation, but we'll look at King James at least first. He said, my friend that I trusted has lifted up his heel against me. He ate of my bread. Now, contemporary English version. Please, Sister Playoff. Psalm 41, 9, David said, I had traitors in my group. My most trusted friend has turned against me, though he ate at my table. Anybody ever known a backstabber? Inexplicable. Unimaginable. Some loyalty lines that we should never cross. You hear me? There's some loyalty lines that we, we should just protect all of our life. They start in our heart. They're loyalty lines. I'll tell you right up front, even if he was sitting here in the front row, my brother in the flesh, sometimes he annoys this tar out of me. Sometimes I say, you, you just need to go in your corner of the world. And let me go in my corner of the world. Go. Leave me alone. It's just life. He gets on my nerves and I get on his. And I can tell when I'm in his nerves because he always starts his little brother thing. Little brother, shut up. Leave me alone. Go get your own popsicle. But they're loyalty lines, Brother Playoff. That's my brother. That's my brother. And, and I can tell him he's a stubborn, bullheaded, belligerent, whatever. But if you jump in the, for, in the foray and say, yeah, everything pastor said about you, I'm going to say, get your nose where it belongs, all right? This is, there's, there's lines here. There's lines of loyalty. 
I'm not going to give up my relationship with God for any family member that doesn't want to serve the Lord. I don't mean that. I ain't going to hell for nobody if I can help it. Sorry, nobody. No family member, no friend. No, sir, no, sir, no, sir. There's loyalty lines. There's loyalty lines. When people come, it doesn't ever happen. Forgive me, Lord, for fibbing, but it rarely happens. People come to me about someone else in the church. I'm sorry, you're crossing loyalty lines to me, okay? I'll listen to everything you say, but I also realize there's two sides to every single story. Every single story. Yeah, here we go again. <laughs> loyalty lines, brother. And you complain to me about him? Guess what? I'm his pastor as well. I'm not burying my head in the sand, but there are certain loyalty lines I'm not going to cross. I don't care who tries to drag me over them. I, I know you feel that way as well today, don't you? Loyalty lines. Sell my family to the highest bidder. You shouldn't think that way. You better not think that way. They may drive you crazy, but there's still lines of loyalty there. I'm quite sure, I'm quite sure, Brother Trace, that in 1 Samuel 27, David's actions were head-scratchers to his brothers and sisters. Head-scratcher. He stood at the gate of Gath and offered his military genius to Achish, the Philistinian king. Behind him is the armies of Saul and all of his Hebrew heritage. Ahead of him is the enemy, the Philistines. And here's David forsaking family and coming to the gate of his enemy and saying, I'm yours if you want me. That's in your Bible, 1 Samuel 27. The difference between Benedict Arnold's equation and David's offer to change lines was a heart condition. The difference between Judas's actions and David's was a heart condition. Judas had this going on in his mind. Money. Money. Arnold had this in his mind, recognition, power, promotion. All David was doing was trying to survive. 1 Samuel 27, 1, I'll paraphrase it. She can throw it up there. David said, huh, wow, here's my brothers over here. They're taking orders from Saul who hates me. My own family is right here. Saul has tried repeatedly to kill me. On the run for my life for years. And he goes, home where everybody hates me. Enemy where they hate me, but who knows. I know I'm going to die if I stay home. Ooh, Lord have my mercy. Who I should preach that right there. No, I'm going to die if I stay home because of what's going on in their heart. I know that in Saul's way of thinking, there's nothing but evil for me. 
David has this plan. He goes up to the gate of Gath, and he knocks, and he says, I'm David. You probably think this is all a setup. Candid camera, look behind the tree. But I'm here. Maybe he explained his options. I don't know. But someone whispered, this is in the, in the book, someone whispered, wait a second! You know who that is right there? That's the man that they said David has slain his tens of thousands. And many of those tens of thousands have come from our people. Difference. Traitor, betrayal, treason, treachery. The difference is the heart condition. How's your heart today, bro? What are you thinking about right now? It's your heart. How's your heart? Conditions. Heart conditions, Brother Mike, I read, do not just occur like that. There are little signs in life and symptoms that show up repeatedly. One every 35 seconds dies from heart, some kind of a heart condition, heart disease. It doesn't just say, Tuesday I feel wonderful and my health has been signed off on. And Wednesday all of a sudden, there's something internally is what I'm getting at. There's something in the mind, in the heart, that's growing and festering and living. Jesus. Oh, my word. I'm not a prophet, but I feel like I could say something today. And symptoms are known, for the most part, are known to the recipient far before they're ever known to the doctor or to the family, or to the military, or to people standing in your corner. Long before it's revealed publicly, we feel something. Come on. Oh, Pastor, that's a proven statement most doctors say when people come in with heart conditions, that they, they usually say, I knew something was wrong. Yeah. 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 They knew it. Something wasn't right. Something gone awry. David was not having an evil heart moment. David was trying to stay alive. That's all. Proof of the matter is you just continue reading through the 28th and 9th chapters of 1 Samuel, and you'll see that David escaped the clutches of the Philistines. But it has become, Brother Palmer, horribly unfortunate and that's an understatement. When we feel more comfortable in the homes of our enemies than we do in the house of God. It's a terrible, terrible statement against us today when we feel more comfortable with worldly people than we do our brothers and sisters. And I'm not, I'm not casting a stone, a, a, a mud ball on anybody. I'm just saying it's unfortunate. Something's wrong! And I beg of you today, if you feel more comfortable with your partying pals, God save them. I'm not speaking evil of anybody. 
There's something going on in your heart. You might be ignoring me and acting like, yeah, looking at your watch right now and all that, but there's something going on in your heart. If you're more comfortable over there than you are here, you're ignoring something. And a heart condition is what I'm referring to when I say something wrong, a mind condition. Yes, ma'am. Here's David. I'm I just trying to stay alive. I know for sure I'm going to die if I stay over there. Will you, will you accept my services? Do you believe God can work in, in the camp of the enemy? Anybody believe that? Ever read the story of Gideon, huh? But Brother Tostin... Achish, who's the king of the Philistinian city, he welcomes David. Come on, man. Come on. He doesn't make him go through a seven-step interview. I love that. God doesn't elevate people, certain people in certain positions because they're dummies, okay? Because sometimes he can talk to people in certain places of life. And he just says, well, that's David, man. He just has a trust for David. There's no heart issue going on in the king's life here. It's all the others under the king. Rumor, gossip, trouble, negative, darkness. Did you know this? Did you hear that? Didn't you know this? What's the difference? Mind condition, heart condition. How's your heart today, friend? Benedict Arnold had a heart covetous of things, recognition, power, approval. She wanted to be wanted to be recognized. Listen to this example David leaves us, though. He didn't have it on a placard. Wasn't carrying it around on a shingle. Listen to how David prays. When David's mind is going somewhere that he just knows this is not going to end up well, listen to the words that he prays. Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God. He didn't say, kill my enemies. Didn't say, stand against those that opposed me. God will take care of that anyway. He just said, there's something going on in my mind, God, today. Something in my heart today. Brother and sister, that's a place that only you and God can enter. That's a place that only you and God can tinker with and manipulate and adjust and alter. Others can barrage the door of your mind and try to enter it. But you've got to open the door. What an example. Rather than just say, yeah, it's something I'm going through. It's just a phase or a fad, a season. It's just, it's just a moment in my life. It'll pass. 
David said, there's something wrong with my heart. I don't know if this is um, allowable or not, but I'm, my mother had to go to the ER Friday night. And we were in there, and as they're going through some preliminary processes, I recognized the, walk, the doctor that walked by. I said, hey, 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 you remember me? He was the doctor that was there the night my dad passed away. He said, you look really familiar. And so I explained my story, and he just started telling me how he's thought about us so often in the last year. And I told him right up front of the gym, I said, I said you made me so angry. I said, when you, when you confronted my dad that night, I said, I was angry with your bedside manner. Now, mind you, I'm, I'm just fighting tears, everything I can Friday night in that ER. I said, you, you were abrupt with him. I said, I didn't, I didn't see the need for that. And I said, I have, I have bemoaned and lamented my attitude for a year plus. I said, I looked your name up online. I got your picture in my phone. I said, I, I, I owe you an apology, and that's the understatement of the year. I said, you just felt an urgency. Something was wrong with the heart. I wanted a pastoral touch. I wanted a little bedside manner. He was straight and abrupt. We've got to deal with this now or you're going to die. That's what he told my dad. And I'm like, don't talk to my dad like that. He knew. He sensed it. It was urgent. And before long, I'm not the only one welling up Friday night. This doctor is telling me, I, I have thought about you so often. He said, I heard your dad didn't even make it to Anchorage on the helicopter. I said, he did not. He gave my mother. He wanted to, meet, he wanted to see my mom. He gave him, went in and, and knelt down beside her and held her hand and gave her his personal card. Call me if you want to talk. You can't pay people to be that caring. I left there just, I, feel, I felt like an ant. I didn't understand his direction he was coming from. Now I do. Yeah. Now I do. When he, he just said there's something wrong with his heart. We, got, we can't play games now. I can't be Mr perfect with you. I got to tell you how serious this is. Merciful God. And the Bible said where your treasure is, Matthew 6, 21, there will your heart be also. I skipped Lamentations 3, I know that. There will your heart be also. How's your heart today? Hmm? You know what Jesus said? I'm closing right here. Matthew 5, verse 8. He said, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. I wouldn't wait one more service. If there's something that you've been feeling that's just not right. I'm not, no one thinks anything about you when you come up here and pray. But I'm, I, I'm just telling you, I've felt something all week long strongly. Someone said to me, it's no accident you, you, you ran into that doctor Friday night. 
No, actually, your mother needed to go to the hospital Friday night. Whatever it is, bro, young man, sister, young lady. Come on. It's, it's not beating right. There's more pain there than there ever used to be. I don't know what, I don't know what this internal agitation is all about. I do. Something going on in the heart. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's been mean today, Pastor. Well, I've just tried to help you. Come and let's fix the heart today. What do you say? Let's fix the heart today. I don't want the heart of a traitor. I want to fix my heart today. Amen. Come, brother. Come, sister. Let's fix our heart. Thank you, young man, for being up here. So, so appreciative of you. Come, friend, let's fix our heart. Do you have any music today, somebody? Let's fix the heart today. Don't let pride stop you from fixing the heart today. Jesus.